This week on my other podcast, She-Hulk represents Emil Blonsky, a.k.a. the Abomination, but his parole hearing doesn't go as planned. That's what it says here on Disney+. Plus. So I guess that's what you're in store for. Buckle up, partners. Welcome to this here episode of My Other Podcast, the show where I tap record and just start talking. And today, as we've been doing the last couple weeks, and as we'll be doing for the next few weeks, we're talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, over on the Disney+. Plus. This is episode three, and for those of you who may be listening to this episode at some point in the future, episode three landed on Disney+, Plus on September the 1st. 2022, and it's entitled The People versus Emil Blonsky. And before I get into it, I just want to say real quick, after watching this episode, I have a uh, a retraction to make in regard to uh, episode number nine of my other podcast in which I talked about She-Hulk Attorney at Law, episode number one. I had uh, mentioned that Emil Blonsky was talking about his uh, seven cellmates and how when I watched the show, I was I, I thought he said soulmates and assumed he was talking about seven women that he met through like a prison pen pal thing where women write to prisoners and then they fall in love with them and and marriages happen and 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 love blooms and and, and all that crap. And then I watched some YouTube show and changed my opinion. I, I after watching that YouTube show, I uh, assumed that what I heard was not seven soulmates, but seven cellmates, and um, chalked them up to uh, seven former criminals that will at one point become part of the Thunderbolts with the Abomination. But no, after watching episode three. Turns out it was seven soulmates, seven women that he met through the prison pen pal program, the love bloomed and all that junk. So, uh, yeah, I should stop assuming I don't, I, I, you know, I often make an ass out of myself, but when I include you in that folks, that's, that's not something I want to be doing. All right. So here's what Wikipedia has to say about episode three of She-Hulk attorney at law, the people versus Emil Blonsky. Walters confronts Blonsky who explains, okay, that right away, the uh, freaking description that wh- whoever wrote this uh, didn't do a very good job because they should be including what Walters is confronting Blonsky about, which is the um, video of Blonsky as the abomination participating in an unlicensed underground fight club type of situation. We learned that at the end of episode number two, And I guess whoever wrote this description is just taking for granted that we remember that that happened at the end of the previous episode. So I'll start over. Walters confronts Blonsky, who explains that he was removed from his cell by the Sorcerer Supreme Wong and that he returned to prison willingly afterwards. While Walters attempts to contact Wong, the news of her appointment as Blonsky's lawyer stirs up public controversy, or as they say in Britain, controversy. Walter's former colleague, Dennis Bukowski, approaches the Superhuman Law Division for a case involving his ex-girlfriend, Runa, 
a shape-shifting light elf from New Asgard who defrauded him by impersonating Megan the Stallion. The case is assigned to Walter's co-worker, Augustus Pug. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name, this, his last name. They said it like three times in the episode. Pugliese? That's, that's, that's as far as I'm going with that. Anyway, Wong meets with Walters and agrees to testify at Blonsky's parole hearing. During the hearing, Wong and several other witnesses make their statements, while Blonsky demonstrates his ability to remain in control as the abomination. Walters later helps Pug to win his case, and Blonsky is released on parole, but is forbidden from transforming again. As She-Hulk, Walters gives a televised interview to tell her story. Later, while going home, Walters is attacked by four men armed with Asgardian construction equipment who attempt to steal a sample of her blood, but she fights them off. In a mid-credits scene, the real Megan the Stallion signs on to become Walters' client, and the two celebrate. Okay, this show just keeps getting better and better. Let's uh, let's talk about the, uh, well, I wanted to talk about the subplot first, but, but no, uh, let me just talk about, I don't know, let's, let's just see how it goes here, folks. So we have a moment in the episode, another moment where Jen breaks the fourth wall and talks to the audience. And it's, and it's actually quite a fun moment because she's driving in her car. It's after she has talked to Blonsky and, and, and Blonsky tells her about Wong and she's in the car on the phone talking to her best friend and paralegal Nikki and asks her to try and uh, get a hold of this Wong character. And and uh, Nikki is on social media. We're looking at what, they, they don't say if it's Facebook, but it's basically like a Facebook page for Wong. And we learn through this Facebook page that he is currently the Sorcerer Supreme, and his previous jobs include the librarian at Carmitage and a uh, sales associate at Target. At Carmitage. So that was pretty funny. And it's it's when Jen is done talking with Nikki, she hangs up the phone or disconnects the call. You don't really hang up anymore these days. That she turns to look at the camera and speak to the audience. And not only does she do that, she debates, she takes her hands off the wheel and actually leans forward almost into the camera. So she's she's completely not at all operating the motor vehicle in any way. Um but one of the things she talks about there when she's she's uh, talking to the audience is she makes it very clear that that she uh, knows that she is on a television show because she she basically says, I know that you guys are looking forward to seeing Wong. Um, I don't want you to get the idea that this show is all about cameos um, just because Wong is going to be on this episode. She goes. But, but then, of course, she, she names some of the other cameos that we've seen so far. And she practically at that point kind of realizes on her own that not only have there not only has there already been a few cameos so far, there will obviously be more cameos as the show goes forward. And so she just wants to make sure and remind everybody that it that it is her show. It's not about the cameos, it's about her. She does end up meeting with Wong, um, which was it's it I wanted to say which is which was another funny moment, but the show is full of funny moments because it's basically a sitcom. It's a 30 minute sitcom and, and it's a funny show. And it's, it's, it's amazing how many men online seem to, to, to find a reason to not like this show, uh, simply because it's, it's about a, a woman 
And one of the 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 reasons that's floating around the net is because it's it didn't take itself seriously. It's silly. It's stupid. It's funny. And it's supposed to be. You can have comedic superhero TV shows because you sure as heck have comedic superhero comic books. And She-Hulk was one of them. And in fact, there there is a moment in the episode where we get a lot of uh, media clips uh, after Jen meets with Blonsky. So there's um, there's a, a lot of press outside when she goes in to meet with Blonsky and they're still out there when she she comes back. Um, there's a moment where as she's going in, one of the reporters shouts out, um, is the rumor true that you were rejected by the Avengers? And one of the other reporters shouts out a question to her and then immediately looks at, at, at her news camera and says, this rumor just in, She-Hulk was rejected by the Avengers. And then we get a lot of media clips uh, about the She-Hulk and we get a lot of reaction from uh, men on various social media platforms. And a, a lot of them are saying in this show, basically the kind of stuff that they've been saying online, uh, which is uh, stuff like funny how the me, how we get the me too movement. And now suddenly all the superheroes are female, which uh, is not true. If you look at the number of Marvel movies and Marvel TV shows, and you count how many male characters there are uh, to female characters and then you look at how many male lead characters there are compared to female lead characters. You know, how many shows and movies are about the 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 woman? And there aren't many. It's a very small percentage. But dudes, you know, guys have met there. There are just a bunch of haters out there. Haters are going to hate and men are going to be men. Uh, not all men. I'm not like that. I know a lot of dudes that aren't like that. But there's a lot of uh, big old assholes out there who... Uh, just are not happy unless the show is about a white guy, period. End of sentence. But when Jen gets back to the office, she's called into a meeting where we, this is where we pick up on the subplot, which is um, Dennis Bukowski, her uh, colleague from the DA's office who we met in episode one and who was obviously a male chauvinist pig. Uh, he... <laughs> He has contacted the superhuman law division because, as the description said, he was dating a woman that he thought was Megan the Stallion, who turned out to be uh, a light elf from New Asgard, who is a shapeshifter and had taken the shape of Megan the Stallion and scammed him out of like one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. He bought her a bunch of stuff and uh, some of the stuff they, 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 they rattled off some of the things he gave her money for. And one was for not a Prius. It was a car. It was like a Passat. And uh, Jen just, there's this moment where Jen looks at him and she says, do you, do you really think that you were dating Megan the Stallion? And then she really kind of presses it home with almost a, a giggle in her voice. And you think she drives a Passat? <laughs> that really, that had me laughing out loud. That was a, 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 a funnier moment among amongst a lot of funny moments. Uh, so in the end, in this episode, we get two basically uh, legal cases that are going on. The the one where Jen is trying to get Emil Blonsky his parole uh, because they've got his parole hearing coming up. And the one thing that's going to stop that from happening, of course, happening, of course, is the footage of him out there fighting in a, a, a fight club type scenario with Wong. 
And while she's in this meeting with uh, Pug and Bukowski, that's when Wong shows up in one of those uh, portal things, the the ring slinging magic portal things. And uh, he he does explain to Jen that, yes, he had come to Emil and forced him to leave prison, forced him to fight him during this whole fight club thing. And the reason he gave was because it was to show that he could be the Sorcerer Supreme. But based on when that happened, based on the timeline, I don't know if that's I don't know if Wong is being truthful. I don't know if he's being honest. I don't know why he would lie, but I don't think he's being 100 percent honest. And um, hopefully, hopefully we'll find out more as the, the series continues. But he agrees to come back for Emil's parole hearing. In the meantime, we have the uh, the trial. Well, after Pug and Bukowski meet, Bukowski leaves and then suddenly comes back into the office and says, you know what? I've decided not to 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 pursue this case. Uh, after giving it some thought, I realized that really, you know, I I, I knew deep down that uh, this woman I was dating was not Megan the Stallion. And uh, I, I feel like I'm going to be a little embarrassed if we take this to trial. And we learn very quickly that uh, this is the light elf Runa impersonating now Bukowski. There is a hearing to determine whether or not this case with uh, between Bukowski and Runa should go to trial. Runa's lawyers are trying to throw the case out. Uh, Pug is trying to get it to go to trial. The argument here being is that any reasonable person would never believe, uh, well, any reasonable person in Bukowski's situation would never truly believe that they were dating Megan the Stallion. And, uh, it does end up going to trial. Um, there's a moment where Jen is in a bar with Nikki and Pug shows up and he starts talking about his case. Jen turns and looks at the camera and says, ah, the, the two subplots come together. And uh, Pug realizes that he can use Jen during the trial to to testify to uh, the fact that uh, Bukowski is a an idiot. He would totally believe that he was dating Megan the Stallion because he uh, is that's how into himself he is. There, there's a moment during the trial where Runa also impersonates. Well, so that the judge says, all right, we'll, we'll, there's, there's enough evidence at this point that we can take this to trial. And then he hits his little gavel and he leaves. And then suddenly he comes running back in and he's like, you know what? I changed my mind. This is not going to go to court. This, we're, we're not going to take this to trial. Never mind. And we find out that again, it's Runa who is, of course, breaking the law by impersonating a judge. Uh, we get the, 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 Parole hearing for Blonsky and Wong is late. So Jen has other witnesses that, that she's, you know, putting out there to show, uh, Blonsky's character that he has, uh, become rehabilitated. One of them is a prison guard who, um, Blonsky had counseled to leave his wife. I think it was, I think his wife was cheating on him or something. That, that was a really funny moment because the, uh, it's just Blonsky is really good in this. I recently watched most of the Incredible Hulk, which is on, I think, HBO Max right now. I got interrupted. I didn't get didn't get to finish it. But that's the the movie, of course, where Ed Norton plays Bruce Banner. And it's the the the, the movie where Emil Blonsky turns into the to the to the abomination. And I, 
you know, watching it again, I, I didn't really care for his character very much. I, I, I don't really care for the movie all that much either, but I like him so much more in this show. He's, he's like this, uh, prison time has kind of turned him into this down to earth, very spiritual Zen centered kind of person. His, uh, seven soulmates are there. These, these women he met through the, uh, prison pen pal program. Uh, they're all wearing white dresses and, uh, floral crowns in their hair. And, uh, they're, they're there because he's, you know, he's, he's basically saying that, that he, they, they'll support him when he gets out. And, uh, they are his better, uh, seven eighths because there's eight of them all together. So instead of his better half, his better seven eighths. And they're all just, just so tickled pink to see him. And they're waving at him through the glass where they're standing behind a wall, looking at him through glass and all this. And, and, uh, anyway, Wong finally shows up and he gives his testimony and the, the, the folks at the parole hearing they're they're still not quite sure that they want to let Blonsky free because he's still the abomination. And, the general, the knowledge at this point, what people know about Emil Blonsky and the abomination is rather like Bruce Banner and the Hulk used to be that, um, Blonsky changes to the abomination when he is angry and he's a giant green rage monster that Blonsky has no control over. Blonsky, however, changes to the abomination while he's there, uh, much to the chagrin of Jen, who's like begging him not to do it. Because he throws the entire uh, parole board into uh, a screaming panic, but he does it to show that a he can he can control the transformation, and b he's still himself as the abomination. And eventually, the the parole board come back and they agree to grant him his parole, providing that he never transforms into the abomination. And if he does, he violates his parole and will and will go back to prison for the rest of his life and that he's to wear a like a power regulator type thing that would stop him from changing into the abomination unless he's managed to somehow figure out how to take it off uh and so he's let out of prison and then with the uh bukowski runa case the judge finds for bukowski and uh the verdict is that runa has to pay him the hundred and seventy five thousand dollars and she's also she she's fined or she has to go to prison uh, or spend some time in jail because she impersonated a judge. Uh, we also learn at this point that Megan the Stallion is there in the courtroom. She's she's watching and she's she's really happy with the proceedings. Uh, Bukowski, after seeing her there, wonders aloud to Jen and Pug if he should go back, that maybe he's got a shot with her. And of course, he doesn't. And they they advise him not to go back. Um, and then as Jen that night is heading out to her car. She is in, in, she's not in her She-Hulk form. She's accosted by these four men who are the wrecking crew from Marvel comics. Um, try to think of all their names. Now there's uh thunderball pile driver bulldozer. And then I'm trying to think of the, the main guy with the, the crowbar. And I cannot think of his name. Let's see if it's got it here on this Wikipedia page. All right. The wrecker. So the wrecker thunderball, Pile driver and bulldozer. Now, of course, these guys look nothing like they do in the comics. Uh, they all appear to have like a uh, Thunderball has a uh, well, it's in the comic books. It was just your basic wrecking ball in the show. He's got a ball on a chain, but it's it look you can you can see that it's like Asgardian tech technology. Um, 
the wrecker has a crowbar, but again, it's like a, a fancy, uh, sci-fi out magical looking funky, uh, Asgardian crowbar, uh, pile driver has a, like a construction helmet on that has, you know, glows and has little, uh, you know, power emanating off of it. And it, it looks very, you know, sci-fi up and stuff. And, um, that'd be pile driver or bulldozer. Now I, now I'm not, now I'm not sure who, who the guy is that hits people with his head. But anyway, they appear to be there to steal her blood because one of them runs up and grabs her and she starts screaming and panicking before she realizes, Oh yeah, I can turn into she Hulk. And so she does. Sh- she, she does so and wipes the floor with these four guys. The wrecker is really funny. He's like this long haired dude and they're just, just completely out of their element. And one of them, I think it was pile driver, uh, tries to stick a needle in her, but at that point she's the she Hulk and the, the needle bends. Um, and like I said, she, she beats him up. They run away. They jump in this truck this van. And, uh, when the wrecker asks, uh, pile driver, if he got the, uh, the stuff pile driver, or I, I don't know, it could have been Thunderbolt. I don't remember now. I, I know it was the wrecker asking the other guy, did you get it? And he says, no, she turned to the she Hulk and I wasn't able to get through her, her gross skin or something like that. And one of them says, the boss isn't going to be happy about that. So who's, who's the boss, which makes me think of Tony Danza, but that's a question that needs to be answered. Uh, I think honestly, because they're trying to get her blood, I think the boss is going to be the leader, which is somebody that got teased in the incredible Hulk, but we have not yet seen in the MCU yet. And the, the leader was very interested in get before he was the leader, uh, something Stearns. I don't remember his name, but in the movie, he's very interested in getting Bruce's blood. And so knowing that, uh, because at one point in the movie, again, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I didn't finish it when I was watching it the other night, but at one point in the movie, he gets a head wound and he's knocked to the ground and samples of Bruce Banner's blood uh, the, the beakers or whatever that's containing the blood break open and drip into his open wound on his head and his head starts pulsating and growing, which is what, you know, the leader basically has a, a gamma radiated brain. So instead of turning into a strong monster, he gets super smart. And so we know that the She-Hulk in the MCU got her powers from Bruce Banner's blood. So I, 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 I don't know. I just, I have a feeling that this is the leader we're going he's going to turn out to be the big bad another thing that i feel like is going to happen in this show i think the uh the story arc that jen is going to go through is that she is up to this point she's just really not all that interested in being she hulk it embarrasses her she um i think somebody had mentioned something about um on something that i i, I watched or listened to in regard to she hulk is is the idea that uh a lot of women in today's society um, try not to uh, try not to make any noise, try not to make a uh, uh, make themselves seen or heard for fear of, you know, male predators, sexual predators and all that. And so this is kind of a play on that where she, you know, as because I think she even says in this episode, she's looking forward to all this being done so she can go back to being Jen and being anonymous um, and I think that's going to, cause we know, and if, if you're familiar with the character in the comic books, Jen is she Hulk 
more than she's Jen. She she embraces being that She-Hulk character. She embraces the fact that she is, you know, it's like it gives her just this boost in self-confidence. And and uh, I think that's what we're going to see during this show is that she's she's going to have that arc where she realizes that um, she wants to be uh, not the center of attention. She doesn't want to be famous. I think it's more she's she's going to embrace uh, this the the self-confidence and this the the just this uh, sense of individual power that she has as the She-Hulk and uh, doesn't she doesn't have to be afraid anymore. And I and I think she's going to embrace that by the end of the, the series. And we're going to see her in future appearances uh, being She-Hulk more than she is Jin. Now, there is a moment in the in the show, in the episode where she does go on the news. She, she agrees to do an interview on the news um, to kind of try to set the record straight, because there's a lot of rumors out there. Once she met with Emil Bron- Blonsky, uh, there's. Uh, there's a rumor that they hooked up and she's carrying his child and, and, and all that stuff. And, and of course, being on, being on the news, being, you know, the, the media being the way it is now, they first focus on her name, She-Hulk. They want to know how she got the name and she tells them that, you know, she did not choose the name. Some, some, some guy on the news, uh, Gave her the name, thought up, thought it up in about five seconds, and unfortunately, the name has stuck. And then they immediately go to commercial and say, "When we're back with the," uh, because they 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 keep calling her She Hulk, the guy who's who's running the interview, and she says, "You know, I prefer if you just call me Jen. Uh, I don't, I don't. She Hulk's not a name that I chose. And well, well how'd you get the name She Hulk? And they they keep uh, kind of just bearing down on the name She Hulk, and then and then he's like, "All right, we'll, we'll return after these, you know, these messages, and and uh, when we return." She-Hulk will tell us about her uh, favorite exercise routines and how she stays trim or something like that. And then you just hear her because she's off camera at that point. She, you hear her say something to the effect of, what, excuse me? And, and then they go to commercial. And, and uh, so I think she'll find that going, uh, going to the news media, going to the media was not a good idea. But um, dang, this is just a good show. I'm really looking forward to episode four. Uh, I think I said it last time. There were a lot of people online in the business, uh, Dan Slott being one of them who who had a, a big run on She-Hulk and who a lot of this show is based off of his run. Uh, he and, and others uh, within the, uh, the media were invited to the premiere of She-Hulk where they played the first four episodes in a, a movie theater type setting. And most of them agreed that the show really hits its stride by the fourth episode. So uh, looking forward to that because we still... Here we are three episodes in and we haven't seen Hyden or hair of Daredevil yet. Makes me wonder how much of a presence he's going to have in the show if we haven't even seen him yet. So is he going to be kind of like uh, Wong where we're going to get him in one episode uh, or w- will we get more of Wong? I-, I don't know. I'm just really having a lot of fun with this show. Um, my, 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 my two big theories at this point are that uh, we are going to have a big bad and it is going to be the leader. And he's trying to get her blood and uh, that her arc is going to be that while now she is shying away from being the She-Hulk, she doesn't want to be a Hulk. She wants to uh, get back to being Jen. She wants to get back to being anonymous, leading her her small, private little life. Uh, I think she's going to do a 180 by the end of the show and, and 
she and, and based on some of the previews, she does seem to embrace the whole She-Hulk persona at one point. So uh, looking forward to that. We also know that, again, the porcupines are going to show up at one point. Looking forward to seeing that. Oh, and there's a there the uh, the the post credit scene where we learn that Megan the Stallion has uh, become one of Jen's clients, and they celebrate in Jen's office, uh, dancing and twerking and and all that stuff. And her boss walks by and sees them doing that, and he just kind of he just kind of goes, "Huh," and then walks away. And uh, Jen at one point tells Megan the Stallion. I will die for you or something to that effect. And that's when Megan the Stein is like, all right, cool your jets. And that's how it ends. Very, very, uh, just, uh, I'm not sure if I'm prepared at this point to call this my favorite of the MCU shows. But as I'm looking back over the MCU shows that I've seen so far, because I've seen them all, uh, so far this is my favorite. And Ms. Marvel may come in at a close second. I mean, I really enjoyed Loki but this might be this might be better and we'll just we'll just see we'll have to see how how the rest of it goes but i'm i'm really enjoying the crap the crap out of this show crap crap it crapity crap crap i don't know why i keep saying crap but i'm gonna say it one more time ready crap and then i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you goodbye so uh goodbye This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.